Hello, everyone. This is Alexandra Perry, and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily podcast. Today, we are going to do an introduction to cannabis investing. And to get you started, we have a cannabis expert, Jeff Siegel, visiting us from New York. Um, Jeff runs a publication called Green Chip Stocks. Um, let you tell us about it. Well, Green Chip Stocks started in 2006. Um, the idea behind Green Chip Stocks was we wanted to invest in socially responsible companies. So we started with a lot of renewable energy companies and organic food companies. Uh, and we really hit at a good time because we launched, well in 2006 when we launched, solar and wind, was it was just crushing it. So um, it, it couldn't have been a more perfect opportunity for investors to in, invest in renewable energy and for what I call re, uh, socially responsible investing. Um, then a few years ago we got into the cannabis space with the idea being that um, to invest in cannabis is to invest in the end of the drug war. It's to invest in companies that are providing medicine for kids with epilepsy or vets with PTSD, medicine that the government tells us is uh, illegal for us to use, um, and you know, which is based on you know, decades-long prohibition uh, that has really stifled innovation and really made it very difficult for a lot of people to get access to medication that they can use successfully. And of course, it's you know part of the drug war. The prohibition on cannabis is the foundation of the war on drugs, which is you know responsible for the deaths of, of millions of innocent people and has cost taxpayers more than a trillion dollars. So as far as I'm concerned, investing in cannabis really is a socially responsible investment. Do you feel like so obviously there's a moral connection to the to the market? I think a lot of people have a moral connection to the cannabis market and a moral response to either the missions in it or just the freedom that it offers for individuals to be able to choose what they ingest. Um, right. I feel like there's two sides of that argument, but from a market standpoint, were there any triggers that you were kind of like this is going to be big? Yeah, well, I I suppose it was about um maybe 3 or 4 years ago when uh, I, I found out about a few cannabis companies in Canada, and I liked the idea from the get-go, so I started following them, and I started to really immerse myself in the industry. So I, I interviewed a lot of the major CEOs, attended a lot of events, um, really went out of my way to, to meet with the experts in the field. I mean, I spent a lot of time on the road, a lot of time traveling, and the more that I discovered about the industry, the more I realized that this was a sleeping giant. I mean, you're talking about a product that does not need to be advertised. <laughs> uh, you know, the amount of money that is spent on cannabis in the black market, you know, runs in the billions. None of that's being taxed. None of that is generating revenue for individual states or counties or cities. Um, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where you, if you put it on paper and you look at it as a spreadsheet as opposed to a soundbite on a commercial, um, it's just, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. And we, we see the beginning of, of prohibition kind of falling apart just a little bit. And that was just enough to, I guess, really entice me to get more involved uh, in the space. And of course, in Canada, there, this, the, the country of Canada is further along in legalization in the United States. So next year, cannabis will be completely legal in the entire country. 
Um, so we kind of saw the writing on the wall on that one a few years ago. And, and you know, we took full advantage. I, I make no apologies for making money from this, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, you shouldn't. It's The no. prohibition made millions for beer companies. And private prisons. Well, oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, here, and here's the thing. It's, you know, when I, when I talk to people about the space, so, for instance, I was recently in, um, in the Bay Area for the High Times Cannabis Cup, and I was speaking about cannabis investing. And before I got there, uh, I was getting some pushback from folks saying, oh, you know, you corporate scumbags coming in here and trying to make money <laughs> and trying to explain to these people. It's like you have to understand that if you want the drug war to end, if you really want legalization, you have to embrace capitalism, not scare it away. Um, and, and that's really what we're seeing right now is capitalism is the, ca- is the catalyst for this change. I mean, yes, I totally believe that the, that this drug, I, I don't think any drug, quite frankly, should be illegal. Um, but in addition to that, it, it's it's a matter of um, personal sovereignty. I, I should be able to do what I want with my body as long as I'm not harm, harming anybody else. Now, if by ending prohibition we are allowing this to happen, and I can make money in the process, why wouldn't I? <laughs> so it's a win-win. Win. Yeah. So I'm going to, I think I'll, there's a lot of comments in there I'll have to circle back to in policy because I think they're really eye-opening. But I think one of the big questions that I have is right now I'm, I'm a fairly new cannabis investor. In fact, we met probably four months ago and I was very, very new to the cannabis space and I didn't know much about investing in it. And especially on the policy side, I didn't know whether I should be looking at recreational or medical cannabis. And I wanted to get your thoughts on what may be the best sectors within the cannabis industry for investors to be looking at right now like i know you have medical you you have recreational you have edibles you have companies that are doing a majority of things so i was kind of going to get your perspective on each one of those individually right sure um well i mean there are a lot of ways to invest in the cannabis space um it's just like anything really you know people were you know investing in solar companies well they were investing in cell manufacturers companies that you know made the machines that that uh refine the silicon i mean there's so many different ways to play any industry. The same th- same um, is true for, for cannabis. Um, you know, there are a lot of, I could say there are a lot of uh, cannabis cultivators in Canada that are my focus in, in Canada um, because... And cultivators know, grower, right? Right, yeah. right. So these are growers in Canada. And, and the great thing about Canada right now is they're about to legalize, but there's a supply and demand issue. So essentially, you have a, an entire country that in a year, will, it'll be fully legal. Right now, it's legal on the medicinal side, but it'll be fully legal on the recreational side too um, next year. At the moment, there is not even close to enough product to meet demand. Uh, so what we have now is a lot of the cultivators are raising a lot of money. They're expanding their operations. Uh, the government of Canada is now expediting licenses, so they're really trying to like get this in place before before it starts next year. So, um, in terms of what I'm looking at in Canada, primarily I'm looking at cultivators. Um, in the U.S., it's a little different because we're not legal on a federal level, only in a state level, so it's a little more risky. By risky, do you mean are there would there be repercussions for an investor that was investing directly in a grower? Right. So there's a thing in the industry, it's called touch the plant. So people, they'll invest in the cannabis space. They want to invest in a company that touches the plant 
or doesn't touch the plant. The idea being that if, you, if the company doesn't physically touch the plant, the federal government can't do anything to it. It can't mm -hmm. shut it down. If you make a vape pen, the government can't shut you down for making a vape pen. If you grow cannabis, even if it's legal in your state, the federal government can come in and shut you down. That's, that's the reality of investing in the U.S. cannabis market. Now, I don't think that's going to happen for a number of reasons, which I'm happy to get to. Um, but this idea of touching the plant, not touching the plant is kind of ridiculous because someone feels as if that they're going to hedge their risk by investing in a cannabis company that doesn't touch the plant. But the problem with that is if the federal government did come down on companies that were growing and did come down on the individual states, even if you don't touch the plant, your, your company's screwed because you're relying on cannabis. It's a domino effect industry. Absolutely. So I, I think this idea of like hedging your risk by investing in a company that doesn't touch the planet is kind of foolish. If you're going to invest in this space, just invest in it. You know, it's, it's just, there's risk in everything you do. But if you if you truly believe that this is going to happen, then you know, take on the risk. Um, what was I saying in terms of? Uh, so I think like in America, it'd be interesting. So a lot of the people that will be listening to this podcast will be first-time cannabis investors. So mm -hmm. maybe what's the best area for them to wet their feet when it comes to investing on American soil? Even if Canada might be a little bit more free-range for what's good in cannabis, if you were suggesting like, is me medical marijuana a good place to start? Well, it's a pretty broad topic. I guess it's fairly broad. Yeah, I mean. It's it could, not touch the plant. Yeah, well, it, medical or recreational. I mean, in terms of investment, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if you're a first time cannabis investor, I would focus on the Canadian market. You can buy Canadian cannabis stocks in the U.S. Um, that trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange and the TSX Venture. Um, it's a little more of a of a hassle because you have to find a a, a brokerage platform that allow you to do that. Some will. Um, I'd say half of them out there will allow you to do that. Um, in the U.S., as far as public companies, it's super, super, super risky because most of the public companies in the U.S. are just, you know, they're just penny stocks. Um, quite a few of them don't really, you know, from a from a technical standpoint. I mean, if you look at them on paper, there's no way you would ever invest in these companies. <laughs> um, it's um, I'm trying to think. You know, in the U.S., there's only really there's one public company right now called Innovative Industrial Properties. It trades on the, uh, trades on the New York Stock Exchange um, under the symbol IIPR. And this is a cannabis REIT. And what they do is they own uh, facilities where cannabis is grown and then you know, they, they, lease these, these, they lease the facilities to growers. Um, it's very early. I mean, the company just went public last year. Um, they again, if if you're worried about where there is that risk, so if it, so if the government, the federal government says, hey, you know, we're going to shut this down, that company's out of business. I don't again, I don't think that's going to happen. But if you're looking for an investment in the U.S., a U.S. stock in the cannabis space, that is likely your safest one. Um, again, it's not it trades on the New York Stock Exchange, so it's not like a bulletin board stock. Um, you have a lot of big money in it. And the company is actually run by these guys that have built other REITs. So these are professional, you know, these are Wall Street guys all the way. They're not cannabis guys. They're not a bunch of guys like, we want to grow weed. You know, it's not like that at all. You know, these are just guys that want to make money and they know how to run REITs. Um, so that if, you but know, But there's security in, US, in that probably. It's like it, the, the one thing that's appealing to that to me as a novice investor is it's like, it's like you almost feel like you're wetting your feet without truly wetting your feet. You're still going the 
orthodox investing route. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's it, it definitely. I mean, you're buying a, a company on the New York Stock Exchange. It doesn't get it doesn't much get easier any than more that. Easy. And it actually does offer a um, a dividend. Um, nice. So I mean, it's I think it trades for about seventeen dollars right now, um, and I don't expect it to go gangbusters, but. You know, I, I also don't see that company disappearing anytime soon. Um, but again, I mean, I'm you know on the public company side, I'm focused primarily on Canada, um, and then you know I also do public or private deals too. So I find private companies that are raising capital, and we get in on those as well. But you have to be an accredited investor to take advantage of those. I think my next question goes back to the term disappearing because this is one of the sectors where we get to bring politics into the investing playground. I know that. When we talk about renewables, we often talk about politics, but this is a sector that really does depend on what happens in the next four years in the United States, um, especially with new leadership in the White House. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on where you think the next four years will take us with cannabis investing, and if there are any immediate threats on the horizon that investors should brace for. So Jeff Sessions, who is the Attorney General, is um, a very outspoken prohibitionist. He does not like cannabis. Um, has even gone on record saying that good people don't smoke marijuana. Uh, you know, I try to keep politics out of my analysis, <laughs> but sometimes you, you, it's such an important part of it. Um, if Jeff Sessions had his way, you know, every single dispensary would, shut, would be shut down tomorrow. The thing is, he's not in charge. Donald Trump is in charge. And um, I, Donald Trump is the kind of guy... I don't know him personally, but it seems to me he's the kind of guy that if he doesn't think he can win at something, he's not going to take it on. There is nothing he can possibly gain from cracking down on states that have legalized. Nothing. All he can do is lose. So I really believe that Trump is going to keep Sessions on a short leash, and um, and he's going to try to distance himself from the whole, you know, the, the whole conversation altogether. I think he. I think his his uh, his attitude is basically, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to leave it alone and leave it for the next guy. It really seems to be a very paradoxical um, conversation. You when you listen to Jeff Sessions, I know that he's now trying to enforce more jail time for minor drug offenses, right. which cannabis is a minor drug offense still statistically. It's grouped with a lot of heavier drugs, but you know you can get the same jail time for cannabis as you could heroin. Am I oh, wrong? Yeah. yeah oh, it's yeah. like. So I, I was like double checking. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. But the um, it also like kind of goes back. You were talking in the beginning of our podcast about underground revenue and how all this money is being lost that could event that could be turned back to the federal government. And I kind of wanted to talk about Colorado because it's the first state to legalize recreationally and how it's benefiting or if it is benefiting from that decision. Because I think that as a whole kind of creates this national argument for why this should be legalized. Right. Well, the governor of, of Colorado was against legalization when it first happened, and he has since changed his mind. The sky didn't fall. You know, there's not a bunch of stoner zombies walking the streets. There has not been an increase in um, use of cannabis amongst uh, people under 18. It's pretty much stayed the same, same the status quo. The only difference now is Colorado is making millions of dollars, uh, generating millions of dollars in tax revenue that it's using to fund new schools and new programs. And there's been a boom, a, a boom in real estate in Colorado. The, the legalization of cannabis has been a huge economic and social benefit to that state. 
other states that have legalized are also finding this out. So if you look at California, right now it's legal on the medicinal side. And it was, last year they voted to legalize recreational. And that will start next year. So the earliest uh, analysis that we've seen shows that the state of California will generate more than a billion dollars in tax revenue after the first year kicks in. So consider, consider this. You have a state that's going to make over a billion dollars in tax revenue. I believe there are 43 representatives in California that work in D.C. So you now have 43 representatives from a state that's going to collect over a billion dollars a year in tax revenue from cannabis legalization. It's going to be very hard for anyone in the White House to fight that because there's too much money at stake. Mm-hmm. And we learned it in Colorado. We're seeing it happen in, in California, in Oregon, Washington, Alaska. It, it, you know, the, the, what do they say? The, the, the crack in the dam it has made its appearance. Um, and I, 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 I don't see any stop to it at this point. And the fact is, all the lies we've been told for you know, 100 years about cannabis, Thank God for the internet because now we know, hey, cannabis is actually could be really good for you. And you know what? The whole war on drugs was like based on this guy named Harry Anslinger from the early 1900s who was this raging racist who started the drug war, you know, because he needed to keep a job as, as the, the first, you know, drugs are. Well, the, um, what I think is very interesting about the prohibition argument was ultimately what swayed me on whether the cannabis industry is going to be big because... Like, the thing about Prohibition, too, is that people are drinking under the table the entire time. From the second Prohibition started, people were drinking. The president was entertaining guests in the White House, and he'd pour them a glass of whiskey. It's, it's clearly not working, and that's the thing about the cannabis industry, is it's just money that's being lost to the states. And we live in a time now where states are certainly going to want to generate excess tax revenue, because we have infrastructure that needs to be fixed. We have a lot of things that need to be tackled. So... I, I honestly think it's funny when you look at a presidential campaign that necessarily is very hard on on cannabis, but at the same time, you have a presidential campaign that's very devoted to drumming up funds and tax revenue. Mm-hmm. So it's like it just seems like a no-brainer that eventually it's going to happen. My one concern is if the Trump administration sticks too closely to conservative politics, mm-hmm. but the um, I am worried that they are going to try to appease those voters and push back. Are you worried about that? You think the money, the money's just going to win out? I think the money's going to win, win out. out. I do. And you know, it's and sometimes when you have people, and I, I hate to use the word conservative because there are plenty of you know liberals that would say you know we shouldn't legalize cannabis because mm-hmm. they're under the the impression that you know the government by prohibiting it is is you know keeping it out of the hands of kids and making us all safer. And you know, like the government can't make things safer for our kids. Only we can do that as, as parents or as as, uh, as just community members. Um, the, the amount of people that are really fighting back against prohibition are typically the people that have a vested interest in cannabis staying illegal. Mm-hmm. So it could be some pharmaceutical companies, particularly the private prison companies, because they make a lot of money when cannabis is prohibited. Yeah. If you take that away, they lose revenue. Um, I think what's kind of a cool place to take this as we reach the end of the podcast time is um, it is such an exciting sector. Honestly, it's hard to wrap 
all of cannabis into one podcast, but I'd love to know, obviously there's a lot of companies that are doing a lot of good in this space that are helping people. And I kind of wanted to have your best investment story, but it's kind of a weird thing for a lot of people to think that socially conscious investing could be investing in drugs. So I wanted to get your take on like one landmark moment. Okay. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I've recommended so many stocks and so many private companies in this space. And, you know, every single one of them has a a socially responsible angle. Um, So there's not really one that stands out, you know, to say that it didn't fit. But you're asking me in terms of my favorite story, you know, it's not, this this is a company that we we invested in this in this one particular company. I'll tell you about. I'll tell you the name in a second. We invested in this company at a certain valuation. That was a little over a year ago. The value of that company has tripled in, within the past year. So we are way ahead of the game, and it's quite possibly I believe that this company um, may never go public um, and may never even get acquired uh, unless someone's willing to pony up a lot of money because it's such a valuable company. The company is called Defonse Chocolate. Now, you may think that's funny. It's an important company. It's a chocolate, you think it's a chocolate <laughs> company. Defonse Chocolate, they, this is a company that makes a chocolate bar. It's a cannabis edible chocolate bar. But the interesting thing about edibles is that when you buy an edible, most of the time, it's basically junk food with weed in it. Mm-hmm. Okay? It tastes horrible. It smells horrible. And if you look at the ingredients, I mean, people like go to Whole Foods and you know they, they want to live a healthy lifestyle so they buy organic fruits and vegetables and everything but then they go buy this rice krispies treat edible that's got the, the ten, gummy bears yeah like gummy worms tons of like these chemicals in it you know because it's got weed in it well you can have the best of both worlds you don't have to eat that garbage um so what defonte did was they developed this chocolate bar that the they sourced the chocolate in a responsible manner so they make sure that the the Cocoa farmers are getting a proper um, price for their beans. Mm-hmm. So it's um, what they call direct exchange. So there's really no middleman. You go directly to the farmer. This helps the farmer, um, again, get a decent wage. And it also ensures that you know exactly what you're getting. And this is organically grown cocoa. This is responsibly grown, a uh, responsibly grown product. And the chocolate tastes delicious. Now the cannabis that they um, that they source comes from an organic grower, one in particular in the Sierra Nevada foothills, which is one of the best places in the world to grow cannabis. Uh, outdoor grow, completely organic. So the quality of the product is is no, no one can touch it. But what makes this really cool is these guys are really passionate about what they do. So. One of the problems with edibles is when you eat an edible, you never really know what's going to happen because every experience experience is different because you can't really get the same amount of THC in every every chocolate bar, every cookie or whatever. Well, what Devante did was they hired a mathematician to design the chocolate bar so each piece of the chocolate bar gives you the exact same dosage so you get the exact same experience every time. So I had to do some research. And I ate quite a bit of this chocolate, and I had the same exact experience every single time. It tastes delicious, it's, it's healthy, and it does what I need it to do. It helps me relax, and I don't take it often, but when I'm in California where they sell it, I will buy some. 
the guy that runs the company is a good guy. You know, he's a former Apple exec. He, um, but he cares about the planet. He cares about people. You know, this is the this is exactly what I'm talking about by investing in the and in, in investing alongside your your beliefs. You know, this is a socially responsible company. The guy that runs the company thinks on a socially responsible level. So. Uh, I, I was so I was so happy to be able to be able to get our investors in on this company, um, not just because I knew it was going to make a lot of money for us eventually, but because it's just such a great company. They're doing everything right, and it worked out. Because like I said, we got in this company a year and a half ago, and now it's worth three times what we paid to get in, and it's going to be worth even more. And I, I just had a meeting with the CEO last week, and um, you know I can't get into a lot of the details, but I can tell you that. Uh, for this company to get someone to write a million dollar check is is not hard. <laughs> Everyone wants a piece of this company, so I'm very happy that we got a piece of it. It's called Defonse Chocolate. You can't invest in it now, unfortunately. That that, that is uh, that that raise is over. But I always have new ones that I can share. And if you're in California and you want to try it, I, I, I strongly suggest checking it out. Okay, everyone, that is all the time we have for today. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Um, I'm actually going to hyperlink to Green Chip Stocks below. The site has a lot of great stuff um, in the free content side. And then if you're interested in buying in, I know that you can reach out to either our customer service team and they can hook you up with a subscription to any of the paid products where you get a lot of those good suggestions for those companies. I'll also hyperlink to, how do we say it? Defonse? Defonse Chocolate. Defonse Chocolate. So you can kind of get a vision for the unique products that are occupying the space because it's been a very eye-opening experience to see exactly where this industry is heading and who it's catering to. Um, Thank you, Jeff, again, and have a good night.